It's time for JT the Brick. But I'm a sports talk host. I talk about multiple topics. Vegas, baby, Vegas. Bill Foley gets what I do. And Mark Davis gets what I do. I bring passion and energy for every second I'm on the radio. We're going big today. You, the Raider Nation, have an opinion. Sound off like you got a pair. I can't get you much more than that. JT the Brick. Well, let me repeat that again. The Jelly Ellis era of this team is coming to an end. We need guys who are faster, in better shape, who can attack the football. Man, I never envisioned you'd be sitting next to me as that ridiculously obnoxious, aggressive openings play. He gets what I do. Genius. We want you to win. You can help my life by winning and making my life better. We've lost that sense from a pocket of fans. You got that? I think you all get that. And now, I love it. Here's JT the Brick. All right, everybody. Welcome in. JT here on the flagship of the Silver and Black with Bobby on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, Friday Big getaway day for everybody, hopefully, or those who stay in here in Vegas have a great 4th of July. I know some people want to beat the heat, but we have no excuse because it hasn't been hot. It hasn't been hot compared to what we've been used to, and I've been here for a decent amount of time. I've been here since 1996 on and off, and this isn't bad in my opinion. I'm fine with this, and I hope you're doing well here as we got an interesting big show today. Friday show, want to get everything in here. We're going to preview in a moment what we're going to do with our Raiders all-time team starting on July 6th. And uh, a couple of interviews, personal interviews today, uh, one in studio with a couple of friends of mine who are coming in later next hour, which I'll tell you about here. Monologue brought to you by PT's Best Happy Hour in Town. I was able to stop by and see the Zach Whitecloud signing. Great job by everybody over at Sierra Gold on the 215 and Jones Cool cup that they had, the VGK Cup, which was fantastic. You got to see that. I'll tweet that out. That was fantastic. A good crowd, a couple of my buddies and bartenders who've worked over there in the past. And just a nice crowd as I sat back and watched that. And great to see so many vibrant fans still celebrating, right? Celebrating, having a great time. These players who are still in town and haven't headed north or overseas to Europe or back anywhere where they played, they're still in town here making fans happy. PTs are proud partnership as they fuel the monologue. Now, as that was getting going and kind of wrapping up, I had a buddy over at Win. He's like, get over to the match, get over to the match. I said, I don't need to get over to the match. We had it on one of the TVs there. And uh, at the end, we headed over that way uh, towards Win. I heard the match was over already. So we got in there, walked the property for a little bit. So Trevor Immelman and a couple of people uh, that I know some friends who are in town, and uh, nice job. Win looked incredible on television. We don't like congratulating the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey looks to be a better golfer than we thought. We knew Mahomes would be good. Uh, Steph Curry, no doubt about it, can play. I don't think he was locked in the way I'm used to seeing him at the American Century up in Tahoe over the years. He usually really dialed in. He wasn't. And Clay's a golfer who's just learning, trying to get better. But the win. At the end of sunset last night, in and around that area, and again, the Sphere, little shout-out to the Sphere. I don't know what's going on. I don't want to debate overruns, how much it costs. I just can't wait to see you two there. And as the sun was setting on that side of the Strip last night, when that event ended, the glow on the Strip, the excitement was absolutely breathtaking. And I was saying to myself, you know, we're going to have F1 coming up here in November. What is that going to look like? Okay, when they're racing down the strip and the strip is going to be glowing at night. Think of the sphere, the match that was yesterday into last night, which was a big event on TNT. We have F1, which is unbelievable. We have the Super Bowl coming up. We got college football, marquee college football games. 
epic college football game. And we're right around the corner for a Final Four in basketball. We've just had soccer at the highest level and more soccer coming into Vegas this summer. All the concerts and just breathtaking. Breathtaking last night around sunset. I'm talking about 730 7.40, to see the glow on the mountains in Summerlin as I was driving home, uh, to see what it looked like around the sphere and win. And then the great crowd that was over at 2.15 and Jones for PTs and Zach Whitecloud. Those of us who live here, those who visit, stay positive on Vegas, man. You know, every, every city, every region of the country has a problem or two, but overall, Vegas is really shining, and I saw that again last night as we open up our Friday show here. So a lot of NBA free agency, as we know, what's happening with James Harden and the, the, the chirping around the NBA. I'm going to get to that when I get back. Uh, the NBA at this time of year, there's no LeBron James, Kevin Durant movement. But NBA free agency is going to pop starting today throughout the weekend. There could be some surprises. There could be some deals as they're allowed to kind of get together and talk about deals before they become official. But I'm going to table that and put that on the back burner as we open up the show here. There's a lot of news on baseball. Spent a lot of time yesterday. Thrilled to have Lee Hacksaw Hamilton on uh, from a perfect game in Oakland. Yankees took that series to some of the teams that are struggling, uh, the teams that are overachieving and playing at a high level like the Cincinnati Reds. I think the San Francisco Giants are a bit overachieving with the Diamondbacks. I don't know, maybe one of those teams are the real deal. But we're heading into the All-Star break up in Seattle. It'll be all about Otani. We're going to talk about Otani coming up here a little bit later. My new podcast drops the Summer Series every week throughout the summer with my podcast partner, Tom Looney. Uh, We dropped that podcast yesterday Uh, Bobby took a piece out of it on Otani, and we're going to go back and forth, and I think you'll like that debate on the impact he's having or not in Anaheim. If he could go to the Dodgers, could he go to the Yankees or the Mets? He's the best player in all of baseball heading into the All-Star break, where I think the fans are going to crave an opportunity to see him at the highest level. So we'll duck in with baseball. Also, want to spend some time with what Kelly McCrimmon's done with George McPhee for our Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, coming out of the draft, the trade of Riley Smith, what they did with Barbashev, giving him the extension. Tremendous. Everything they've done. One of the biggest signings in the history of this franchise. And I'm not talking about the inaugural year. That was Marc-Andre Fleury when he came over unprotected. But the signing of Mark Stone, the signing of Barbashev, the signing of Alec Martinez, right? All the great players who weren't the original misfits like Riley Smith, wish him well, Jonathan Marceau, William Carlson, but the players that were brought in, and most importantly, the captain, Mark Stone, and the goalie, as Hill was brought up, and no one expected what he was able to do. And to see the look on fans' eyes and faces when they walked in and saw Zach Whitecloud last night at Sierra Gold, just outstanding here. I've been talk, uh, texting with a lot of people. Uh, we're doing, I think, a nice job behind the scenes here. And I'm looking around, seeing what's going to happen here going forward with our plan to come up with the Raiders' all-time team. So I'm going to be pushing this really hard up into the start of training camp. I want to get it done from July 6th. I want to figure out a way to get it done before training camp. And if we could do that and crown the all-time Raiders team on Raider Nation Radio, JT the Brick Show in the third person, and one Hall of Famer who listens to the show, Hall of Famer Gold Jacket, he says, man, you're biting off a lot. I go, yeah, I kind of am. And I talked about what we're trying to do here. He said, you're biting off a lot. You're going to piss off some people. I said, no, 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 no. That's not the intention. We're not here to upset anybody 
on what we're going to do with our Raiders all-time team starting July 6th. What we're trying to do, big picture, is talk Raider football and talk about the greatest players who ever played for the franchise. I'm really excited about that, and I hope you are. That's what I'm paid to do. That's what I want to do this time of year, and I think it's going to be really good content. It's much harder than I thought because I realized how many great Raider players were back in the day that deserved consideration, right? Fred the Hammer, okay, when you look at one of the great corners and early great Raiders, movie star, the Hammer Williamson, how great he was. When you go back to Dan Connors, who I keep mentioning, when you go back to the 11 angry men, Ben Davidson, Oh, my God, Ben Davidson and the games that he played and the way he represented this organization with mud and sweat and tears and fighting the Kansas City Chiefs. Lyle Alzado, the late John Matuzak. Wow, just a defensive line. I got the hair on my arm standing up. It's going to be hard to whittle that down into the greatest Raiders team of all time. The starting group there and the backups, everyone we're going to have on that team. I'm not going to rank the corners. We're going to have four corners. You know who they are. You have an idea who they are. But when we get to the fourth corner, you might go from number four to five, six, seven, eight, nine and have a conversation. And I think what's going to be cool is what we're going to try to attempt is we're going to try to give a lot of props and a lot of pats on the back to the players who are not on the Raiders all-time team, won't make our all-time team on the radio, but they deserve respect and consideration, and they're going to get it in a big way. Some players that have never been talked about on this channel, why would they? No one brought them up. I haven't brought them up, most likely. So we're going to bring up some of those players, hope you hope to educate you in a good way on some of those great, great players back in the day, and then have some fun with that before the Hall of Fame and all that's what's happening here. So, you know, training camp, Eddie Pascal, Jesse Merrick, I want to give them guys a plug on the show as they've come on in the past. They got a new podcast out as they wrap it up before training camp. I listened to that in the car a little bit last night as it hit my phone on an alert. It's really good. So if you want to get ahead of training camp, go check that out. Go listen to that on the Raiders Podcasting Network. You know we have the podcast Roundtable. I'm really proud, and we play a little bit of the Roundtable all the time, our Dave Ziegler conversation. Dave Ziegler uh, coming up. We're going to play that on Monday. That's like a 24-25 minute gem of what Dave Ziegler's thinking about going forward. But uh, nice job with Eddie upon further review. Go check it out with Jesse. I thought it was really interesting. It sets the mind up before training camp as we get going. And speaking of training camp, got to win this year, everybody, and beat the Chiefs. I thought Kelsey, from a little bit of what I saw on TV with the sound down, and it was a loud, large, large crowd I was in yesterday for a little bit of time, for about an hour, you know, Kelsey, his bravado hitting golf balls. He had a couple of really good shots into the green. And Mahomes is just a stud. It's going to take everything for the Raiders to tear those guys down and beat them once, let alone beat them twice. So to see Kansas City come into our town and beat Stephen Clay, they beat Stephen Clay. Absolutely incredible there. Also, I'm going to get into Phil Mickelson and live golf. And I'm going to crown Phil. Phil looks like a genius today as the division between Liv and the PGA Tour, which I think still is a big division. But now that those two sides are merging in a kind of funky way with points, the ability to come together, as long as these guys are playing majors together, as long as they're playing majors, I'm fine with that. So we'll talk about that as it's been an unbelievable June. By the way, before I get out of the opening uh, monologue here, I just want to say June was incredible. Absolutely amazing in this town. We got a world championship, a Stanley Cup, 
Stanley Cup in this town. I had a chance to emcee the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame, which was a highlight for me in Vegas, taking over with Jamie for, and Dick Calvert. That was a highlight also. Got a chance to go on vacation to Maui for a little bit and came back, and both my sons are home, and they're having a great summer, and everything is cool. Everything is great, and we thank our proud partners who give us this great opportunity here to talk about that. So that's what we're doing today. We're kind of putting a puzzle together today because it's a getaway day. We're going to have a really important interview coming up later in the show. A good friend of mine will come in studio. She's a widow of a police officer who took his life after he retired, who was really a good friend of mine, uh, someone I thought I was going to spend the next 20, 25 years of my life going to cabins with, going skiing with. And we're bringing her in along with another former retired police officer, Tom Wagner, who's an unbelievable guy. A lot of people who hear me know Wags in town and what he's been able to do and the impact he's had. And we're going to talk about a new foundation that I'm going to be a part of. And we're going to try to raise awareness for those who retire and they struggle retiring. If you're a police officer, a fireman, you're in the military, you just don't feel like you matter anymore. You matter a lot. You matter to a ton of people. So that conversation, they're going to actually come in studio today, which I really appreciate heading into a holiday weekend. So that's what's happening. That's what's going on. Uh, We're excited to hear from you. If you can do me a favor over the weekend here, just go to my Facebook page, JT the Brick on Facebook. Just jump on in there, and let's talk about this all-time team. We're going to start off with the offensive line. I'm going to start off at left tackle, and we're going to move all the way through the offensive line, the guards, and the centers. And we might talk about it for two days. Might talk about it for three. I doubt it. But it's all going to depend on your phone calls, your interaction, and getting in on Twitter, at JT the Brick. Every day, we're going to have a conversation about a Raider all-time great. Who is the greatest Raider on the greatest Raider team of all time? And the backups are going to make the team. We're going to have a depth chart on this team. We're going to make it inclusive, and we're going to include all the decades. And a lot of people told me you're nuts to do that. Why don't you do a team from the 60s, 70s? No, I'm going to do a team from the 60s, then from the 70s, and from the 80s. Everybody's going to battle for greatness here because they're already great. It'll be the Raiders' all-time team presented by Raider Nation Radio and Modelo with the fighting spirit, and I hope you can join along with us. So let me get out of the way here. Let's get rolling here. At JT the Brick on Twitter and Facebook, 702-365-9200. In advance, be safe on the 4th of July. Please, we see it here every year in Southern Nevada. We see the mistakes people make. It's great when the casinos shoot off fireworks on New Year's Eve. A lot go off on the 4th of July. We're dry. You know, we had a wet winter up in the mountains, but it's still dry here. There's a lot of kids who shouldn't be around fireworks ever, let alone near them. Keep an eye on your kids. Have your head on a swivel and do the right thing. Don't get intoxicated and go hanging around with fireworks. Let someone responsible fire them off and have a great time. I recommend the Las Vegas ballpark. I recommend the Las Vegas ballpark, not too far from where I live. They do an amazing job. JT, on a Friday, here we go. This is Raider Nation Radio. back with you Friday heading into the 4th of July right here on the flagship of the Silver and Black 
Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Be careful with the fireworks. Put the fireworks down. Watch the fireworks in in the distance. Don't go crazy with the fireworks around kids. I've been in Vegas a long time, and it's one of those white-knuckle nights when you hear all the fireworks. Keep the dogs inside. Take care of the pets with the fireworks, and be smart. That's all I can say here. I've been out here a long time, and some of the stories are ugly here around the 4th of July. And protect your neighbors and protect everybody around you. So a couple other things I wanted to get to that I didn't have a chance to talk about yesterday that Bobby reminded me about. Uh, The Golden Knights coming off this unbelievable run that they've had. Incredible to see what they're doing. And they said goodbye to Riley Smith. And the cover of the paper yesterday, Knights part ways with a misfit. Smith dealt to Penguins to make money available for Barbashev. And I started thinking about that from a media perspective. And let me tell you this, and I'm not going too deep. Pat McAfee got hired by ESPN, and all of a sudden ESPN let go of their morning show. Uh, Max, Jay Will, and Keyshawn Johnson. They did that because of McAfee. So one teammate came in, and other teammates are out. It's the same thing here. They wanted to make sure that they took care of Barbashev going forward, a player now who's won two cups, and Riley Smith because of his price, even though he's been a great misfit and a great player, he's on the outside looking in. So I believe, and I I read about it earlier in this week, Riley Smith will be a part of the softball game that's going to be out at Las Vegas Ballpark going up against Max Crosby. I think everybody should show up and wish Riley Smith well. And I think this town will do that. This town is fantastic at doing that. We did it for Marc-Andre Fleury when he came back. And we'll do it now for Riley Smith. So Kelly McCrimmon had his press conference announcing the Riley Smith trade. And I think this was tough on him, especially coming off the cup. Uh, we made a trade today, trading Riley Smith to uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins for a third-round pick in 2024. I'd like to thank Riley for his uh, time in Vegas. He's one of the original players that we selected in expansion, a six-year player. We're uh, proud that he leaves the Stanley Cup champion. I know that he is going to get a good opportunity in Pittsburgh. I know that he will do well. Our objective has been to uh, try to keep um, – as much of our roster together as we can. I made the comment when I did year-end media that I think we'll be able to return uh, our team almost intact, which is pretty uncommon for a Stanley Cup winner. Um, we have some free agents uh, of our own that we uh, are working on. Uh, you know, Ivan Barbashev being one of those players who uh, we signed to a contract today. Uh, we think this will give us the ability to pretty much return our team uh, in whole. So that was our objective as we went into free agency. Unfortunately, uh, to get there, uh, we moved Riley to uh, to Pittsburgh to facilitate some of the other moves that we want to make. Uh, we were not looking to bring anyone, anyone in from outside our organization. All of the uh, decisions that we were making were on uh, people that we just won a Stanley Cup with. So, uh, you know, by definition, that makes those decisions difficult and challenging uh, to make. But... Uh, we, uh, uh, we feel that we uh, got our way through it and, and uh, are excited about what, uh, what it could mean for the makeup of our roster. So after that, McCrimmon was getting more and more into what was happening, which I think is so important. Smith versus Barbashev. That's what happens when you're an executive. When you're a high-level executive, you got to make tough decisions. This was a big one. Here's what McCrimmon had to say. Well, it's not between Ivan and Riley. We've got other... Uh, free agents as well, everything intertwines, and uh, there's different ways that you can get to uh, 83.5. So uh, internally, we never uh, made it a decision about 
uh, one versus the other. I think what we uh, did talk a lot about was uh, uh, Barbashev's impact uh, on our roster when we acquired him from uh, St. Louis, his ability to uh, fit in so seamlessly with uh, with Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marshall so to give us uh, a really good top line. And, uh, uh, you know, I made the comment when we acquired uh, Ivan on March, uh, or late February, early March, that we've been looking for a player like this for some time. He's uh, in the prime of his career. We, uh, you know, gave up a good young player to acquire him. He came in. He played extremely well. Uh, we won a Stanley Cup. He was a big part of that. We wanted to uh, we wanted to keep him. So that's uh, that's uh, you know that's where the conversation began. And then from there, you start to go through your different ways of uh, of addressing uh, your salary cap and getting uh, getting it to where it needs to be. Oh, so overall, that to me is what being a GM, being an executive vice president, when you're in charge of making decisions, you got to make the best ones possible for the franchise. And Kelly McCrimmon, that had to be emotional for him. I'm not, I don't know him well, but that is a tough decision because he was passing the cup back and forth to Riley Smith, and now he had to say goodbye to him. Unbelievable. Aiden Hill, to me, is the key on his future. Obviously, it's good. He's a great goaltender. He proved himself and should be a golden knight for many years to come because of his outstanding play carrying this franchise. Hey, the defense did a hell of a job in front of him, but Aiden Hill made a lot of saves. We've been in discussion with Aiden and his representatives. They are... Uh, working really hard to, uh, you know, make this happen, to, to help him remain uh, a Golden Knight. It's one of the things that we still have to uh, continue to work at to, uh, to see where we, where we finish with, uh, with his status on our team. And one more, I wanted to talk about this, about winning the Cup and what the mentality is going to be like here in the offseason. There really is no offseason. As we mentioned, the Golden Knights, from winning the Cup, they have a tiny, short offseason. Most of these hockey players head home. Uh, they go back to Canada, where most of them are from, even though they have homes here. They relax. They got to get their bodies healthy. They got to rest and they have to train to get their bodies ready again. McCrimmon talking about the offseason mentality for the entire organization. Well, winning a championship doesn't, uh, doesn't change that, uh, Jesse. Um, you know, where your team is at dictates to some extent what your next moves are. Uh, will be or, or could be or you need to decide uh, based on uh, where you're at. So contractually, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we had all the RFAs last summer. So, you know, we're not at risk of an offer sheet. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're buttoned down in terms of uh, the number of players we've got returning on contract. We've got some UFA decisions to make. We've got one RFA in, uh, in Brett Howden. Our, our goal, our focus is always to improve our team. But right now we're, you know, really committed contract-wise, and, and I say that as a positive. Uh, we're, you know, we're committed contract-wise here uh, for next year, and, you know, if if you like your team as we do, that's a good thing. So there it is. Uh, that's your Golden Knights update here, brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town. PTs, what they do with the Golden Knights. Congratulations to that great partnership. One other topic I want to get in in this segment is I'm a big golf guy. As a matter of fact, tonight I'm going en route to San Diego. I'm going to be there to golf. I'm going to golf Saturday, Sunday, and then do a little bit of radio next week before we come back on July 6th. 
And I'm fascinated by Phil Mickelson now. Phil Mickelson was the first big name, along with Dustin Johnson, to go to Live Golf. And he went to Live Golf because he saw an opportunity at the end of his career, past his prime, we all admit that, to make a little bit more money. And it was about $100 million, 80 to $100 million for Phil Mickelson to leave. And Phil handled the first initial press conference terribly because he wasn't ready for the most difficult questions, which was about Saudi Arabia, the blood money, 9-11. And Phil just wasn't prepared. And his first press conference was a train wreck. And then Phil had to kind of build it back up again. He went out and had a chance to win the Masters. It's an incredible run that Phil Mickelson's been on. He's been playing some really good golf. But now there's a combination. Now we're going to have the combination of live. And I think Phil's feeling pretty good about this going forward because Phil understands that he was a part of live, but his passion for the PGA and his legacy for the PGA is really what makes up his Hall of Fame career. Here's Phil Mickelson. I would say I felt appreciation that we got to this point where we're working together because it makes me confident with where the game of golf is headed um, in the future. We felt like it was going to be about two years, roughly, uh, before we got to that point, it took a year and a half or six months quicker than I thought it would w- would be. And uh, going forward, we're very, we're all very optimistic about um, where the game of golf and the professional golf specifically is is headed. Also, a lot of the changes that have been made uh, because of Live, we're all very appreciative, uh, both on the Live Tour as well as the PGA Tour. And we're happy for the guys out there that uh, that they're having some positive changes there as well. So Phil's an awkward guy. You know, the book that's coming out from Billy Walters and everybody talking about the career of Phil Mickelson and what he did as a gambler and all that, I care more about his golf. I'm a big fan of Phil Mickelson as a golfer. I fly my Phil flag. I got a Phil signed flag at home in my office because I want to see him win. I was more pro Phil than Tiger in the heyday of their career, and clearly Tiger got the best of Phil, but Phil still had a Hall of Fame career. One more from Phil Mickelson on the changes. Liv forced these changes to get the PGA to come back to the table and negotiate. A lot of the changes that have been made uh, because of Liv we're all very appreciative, uh, both on the Liv Tour as well as the PGA Tour, and we're happy for the guys out there that, uh, that they're having some positive changes there as well. So there's Phil. I think he's feeling pretty good. And I think guys like Roy McElroy and others are freaking out, freaking out that Liv is coming back here and they didn't take that Liv money. They won't admit that. No one will admit that. I can promise you there. No one's going to admit that they left all that money on the table. Jack Nicholas didn't need the money. Tiger didn't need the money. Phil didn't need the money. But why did Phil take it? I think Phil took it maybe for the wrong reasons, possibly for the right reasons. But also Brooks Kepka took that money. Cameron Smith took the money. Brandon Grace took the money. Dustin Johnson, Bubba Watson, Sergio Garcia, some of the greatest golfers, and Bryson DeChambeau, who won a recent U.S. Open. So there are six regular season tournaments remaining, including one in London for Liv and four more in the USA. The individual and team championships are going to take place, remember, November 3rd through 5th in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, they played, they replayed it, Bobby, the other day on 60 Minutes. I watch 60 Minutes every Sunday, and they did a segment on sports washing and how Saudi Arabia is trying to wash their bad image away and human rights deficiencies through sports, and they are. They're paying their way in. They're paying their way in, and they're here to stay. And now the PGA announced it's forming an alliance with the DP World Tour and Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund. 
which is financing the Live Golf League. So wherever you stand on this topic, I can promise you one thing. Live Golf broke the back of the PGA Tour. I'm just a golfer that's going out trying to lower my handicap and have a couple beers with my friends. If I was a professional golfer, I don't know what I would have done. I think I would have easily stayed on the PGA Tour. But if they offered me 50, 60, 70 million on my skill set, if I wasn't Tiger Woods or an elite player, maybe I'd take it or not. But either way, they're merging. We're going to forget about it. And we're going to start looking at this combination going forward. The one thing, I, last thing I'll tell you on this, there's no PGA Tour without these live golfers. After watching these tournaments, these majors, the last couple majors, that Live Golf Leader scoreboard, there are a lot of great golfers there that left for Live, played in these tournaments, and now can come back and play in anything they want. All right, we'll continue on with our conversation here. The JT and Looney podcast, which I'm really happy about. Looney and I jumped into Shohei Otani. I wanted to play it here because I think it's fresh. It's up to speed on the big decision that the Angels need to make with Otani coming up. What do you do? Do you get rid of them and redefine your franchise and rebuild it from the farm system down? You're going to get a lot for Otani, but he'll be a rental for another team. What happens if you trade Otani to a team such as the Dodgers and the Yankees that might want him long-term? How many great players can you get in return? Or maybe the Angels do the right thing. They don't touch Otani. They leave him alone. They let him sit there, try to get to the playoffs, which they will, try to win playoff games, and then lose him for nothing in return but treat their fans at least to a playoff run and maybe a World Series run with Mike Trout. I think that's the right thing to do. Looney and I debate that. Coming up next, it is Friday. If you're driving around, uh, be careful on the road. We want to thank our proud partners at the Castaverde Law Group. You know, when I talked to Alex de Castaverde about all the chaos in this town with all the cones everywhere and the freeway starting to back up, they're ripping up uh, the strip for F1. Be careful on the road. If you unfortunately get into an accident, just remember this number. It's easy. 702-222-9999. Alex and Orlando DeCastaverde, part of our Raider Nation. Raider fans inside the Raider Nation, and they're proud partners of our show. When we come back, Otani and what to do with him as we continue on on a Friday, heading into the 4th of July. This is Raider Nation Radio. JT, welcome back as we continue on. Brought to you by Grimaldi's. If you don't want to barbecue, you don't want to cook over the 4th of July, go to Grimaldi's, get a couple of pies. I get the Brooklyn Bridge, get a Caesar, a Mediterranean salad. They got great dessert. They got an unbelievable wine list while you're waiting. Whatever you want to do, Grimaldi's will make your 4th of July that much better. So I've been telling you about my summer podcast series that I do with my partner, Tom Looney. Our podcast, JT and Looney, wherever you download, I'd appreciate it if you could subscribe and like the podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. This week, I wanted to get into Shohei Otani and the impact that he's having on baseball. Here's my discussion with Looney. Let's get to Shohei Otani. This is incredible what he's doing. So last year, Aaron Judge, my guy, won the MVP because he deserved it. He was better than Otani. He doesn't pitch, but Otani didn't pitch like Steve Carlton or Bob Gibson. He didn't have a whitey Ford year. He's very good, but everybody said, oh, he pitches, so he must be. No, he's not great. He's not Sandy Koufax. He didn't have a Fernando Valenzuela year. He pitched at a very high level, but he hit. And everybody said, oh, my God, this is like club ball Little League. 
But this year, Otani, as Judge hurt his big toe, running into the wall at Dodger Stadium. You want a conspiracy theory? The Dodgers on their outfield wall had concrete where the gate is to get to the bullpen, and Judge is the only player, not Reggie Jackson in the late 70s, not Mookie Betts. Judge runs into that wall, fractures his toe, so he's pretty much done for the year for the MVP vote. But, Tom, I got to ask you, you live in Southern California. What the hell is going on with this guy? He is better than Babe Ruth. He might be the best baseball player of all time, but he plays on the Angels. Yeah, and that is a big problem. It's like playing for the Arizona Cardinals and being one of the best football players in the NFL. It's a tree that falls in the forest and no one hears it. And so is playing baseball uh, for the Angels. And it's probably good for him, at least initially in his career, get introduced to American culture through a city where that isn't all that passionate. You can make mistakes, et cetera. And he probably wouldn't want to finish his career as an angel. Uh, what idiot would want to do that? Shout out to Mike Trout. But, you know, hey, some people don't like to be, you know, Dwight Howard was one of those guys. They like to be on the team. And they like to be a star, but they don't want to be the guy in the spotlight. And it's also difficult being the guy in the spotlight when English is your second language. We've seen that in boxing with some great superstars over the years who would have been bigger superstars had they been able to go on Jay Leno. And I think that's another thing that holds Otani back. But forget that. That would be like picking on the wart on Lincoln's face. We got to enjoy this. How often does it happen? And we don't enjoy it often enough when it does. Uh, maybe because we're so overwhelmed now with different media. But God, you know, this is Babe Ruth stuff. And Babe, everyone, no matter how, you know, Babe Ruth is one of those legends beyond legends, transcends generations. And that's hard to do. And when you mention in the same breath, then everyone's got to pay attention. Yeah, Babe Ruth did it before television. Yeah. That sink in. And we're still talking about it. Yeah. Pitcher from Boston before the trade to the Yankees. And the thing about Babe Ruth, that'll never be beat. He hit more home runs than entire teams. Yeah. Right. Otani's not going to hit more home runs than entire teams. Right. As we uh, jump into this, I just wanted to mention his stats, which are pretty incredible. Usually, I use a couple of different websites. Let's use ESPN.com. And I look at the stats and across the entire stat sheet, it's him. So batting average 304, home runs 28, RBI 64, on base percentage 386, and hits 93. That leads the team in every category, including Mike Trout. And here's what blows me away. I'm a big Trout fan. And Trout got that $400 million contract, which was the best thing he should have done for his family and himself. Generational wealth in a sport now that you can get $300 million. Judge just got $360 million. Otani, and we'll get to what he could make. But Otani has, he's blowing away Trout. 93 hits to 71. He's got more doubles than Mike Trout. Who has who has more triples than Mike Trout? Mike Trout has none. Otani has right. four. Trout's got 17 home runs. Otani's got 28. And in the RBIs, it's not even close. 64 to 41. Otani even plays more games, 79 to 75. And here's the one that blows me away the most. Shoei Otani has 11 stolen bases to Trout's two. A guy who's a gargantuan large man. <laughs> that should not be. Should not be stealing bases, so he tears his calf or he breaks his hand going into the base, whatever it is. So I'm sold. I wasn't sold at the level that a lot of people are in the Southland because I'm a Aaron Judge guy. Right. 
big Aaron Judge guy, so I wasn't blown away. And I've seen Lou Gehrig's stats and Pete Rose hits and all that, but he is so must-see TV. And it's a shame he's in Anaheim because Anaheim shouldn't be so small. Anaheim should be big because of the population right. of Anaheim. You're on the news every day in Southern California. Can you give me an idea of the population breakdown between Los Angeles County or Anaheim or the OC? There's still a lot of people that live in Orange County that should be supporting this kid. Well, also remember a couple of decades the Rams played in that stadium in Anaheim. And it's, uh, it's an incredible uh, place to live. It's a beautiful place to live. You got, they called themselves the Los Angeles Angels. But the Los Angeles Rams called themselves the Rams and played in that stadium. Why can't the Angels? And they were originally the Los Angeles Angels, unlike the Dodgers, right? So they have a right, every right to call themselves that. It hasn't worked. And it, it's just one of those phenomena over the years. Their fan base is so small, like the Arizona Cardinals or the L.A. Clippers, and they can't seem to get out of that hole. Yeah, the, the other thing with Otani, which is a big deal for me, I grew up, I think, Ron Guidry went 25 and three one of the years. And there's been wow. guys, Denny McLean, Google his stats. And again, Steve Carlton was great. And Sandy Koufax might be the greatest of all time. Otani uh, through 16 games started is seven and three, seven and three, which is you know very impressive. He's got a winning record. He doesn't play on a very good team. He's got a 3.02 ERA. And I look at his numbers overall. He's got 127 strikeouts, which is really big. So he's a very good pitcher, but he is not one of the elite pitchers of all time. No. I think he's going to be one of the elite sluggers of all time. And if you bring it to the fact that he pitches, isn't that the fascination? Is that we're making his pitching stats, which are good, they're not all time, and we're elevating them and we're exaggerating them because he can hit. We're watching him hit home runs, two home runs a game, and we're going, holy crap, he's pitching on top of it. Is that what is that what's part of this phenomenon? Well, of course it's part of this phenomenon because it doesn't make sense to us. Uh, how often have you spent on the air? How many hours have you spent on the air? And if you added up the hours uh, and minutes and hours, it might even be days that you've been on the air mocking baseball players who can't hit, who can only pitch, or uh, or, or the other way around. And we have someone that can do this. Now, is this going to inspire a generation of players who are going to want to hit and pitch? We certainly hope so, but don't hold your breath, right? Well, Tiger Woods did that. He, he inspired a generation who wanted yeah. to drive the ball farther than everybody right. and chip better than everybody. And he inspired a generation of people who look like him uh, to, to play golf because a lot of people who weren't white didn't play golf. So he really, that's also in a whole other way that he inspired generations. And I hope Otani eventually it's really tough to learn a second language. And as, as an adult, it's so much easier as a child, but it would really do so much more for his branding. But I don't even know if he needs, does he need more? He's going to be his next, what's his next contract going to oh, be that's like? That's what I want to dive into oh. here. Because I think the important part of this is it's a really big dilemma for Artie Moreno, who all accounts are, he wants to get out of baseball. He wants to right. sell the team. And he should. He should sell the team. Michael Jordan just sold and is in the process of selling the team in Charlotte. When you think of what he's doing here and how he's selling his basketball team and what he bought it for and the billions he's selling for it, Artie Moreno could do the same thing because of baseball and yep. the, the fact that it went up. And I remember we were on the radio for so long together. And when Artie Moreno bought the team, his number one thing he did the first day is he lowered the price of beer. 
Yep, remember that. Yeah, it was he great. Win the PR battle. Remember that story? Yep. He lowered the price of beer, and everyone, who's this guy? Oh, he must be cool. Moreno is his name. He bought the Angels, and he's lowering the price of beer. Now he wants to get out of that business. But here's the problem with Otani. He's a Mexican cable guy, I think, right? Didn't he, didn't yeah, he, he make he, his money in millions doing in cable right. television in Mexico? And on top of this, what ha- the dilemma that they have now is you got to get rid of Otani because when he's an unrestricted free agent, you're going to get nothing for him. There is a 0.0001 chance that he stays in Anaheim. No chance. Zero. And everybody else wants him. So if you don't move him, if you move him now, you're going to get an entire farm system of players. You can get four or five players. You might get a star player, but the fact that the Angels are good this year, they can't afford to do it. So what I believe is going to happen is because everybody gets a juice box. Everybody gets a car. Oprah, everybody gets something. (laughs) There's three wild cards in baseball, Tom. There's three. So if they don't win the division and they have a chance to do that on the outside looking in, as I look at the standings here, the Angels are going to make the playoffs no doubt as a wild card if they continue to play at this pace. If they're able to do this, they're five games back of the Texas Rangers. And the Rangers are a good team, but come on. Let's see where the Angels are at the end of the year. Great manager, Bruce Bochy. But let's assume that the Angels make the wild card. What would happen if the Angels got rid of Otani, did the right thing? Because as of now, they're in the wild card. Business-wise, did the right thing, you're saying. Business-wise, it's clearly the right thing. You're supposed to be the voice of the fan here. (laughs) They have have no chance to win the World Series, even if Otani gets hot. And this is my hook to this conversation. Okay. Say Otani wins 21 games. Otani hits 55 home runs, which he could. They're not going to win the World Series because their team, he only pitches every five days. In the World Series or the playoffs, he'll obviously pitch more, and they'll hit every game. But they're not good enough, even with Mike Trout, which is insane that I'm saying this, that they can go deep, deep, deep into the playoffs and win the World Series. So what I would do is I'd go, hey, we're going to have Otani. We're going to make the playoffs. We're going to sell out games in July and August. Everybody come to the ballpark. You'll never see him again in the Angels uniform, but maybe we can do what the Phillies did last year, be the third wild card and make it to the World Series. That's what the Angels have to be banking on. And let me switch it from X's and O's on the left brain to the right brain, where I always like to live, of course, the creative side, and that is where do you think he's going to go? Well, that's a great question. I think it it makes the most sense to go to the Dodgers. It makes the most sense to keep him out west where he's the most familiar and keep him with the Dodgers. The Dodgers can afford it. The Dodgers roster is not what it was last year, two years ago. It's still a very good roster, but it's not what it was at its peak. And he could fill it there. The rosters, as you always, uh, the Dodgers, as you always say, can sell a a painting. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They can sell a Van Gogh or Renoir and pay for him. And, Here's another thing. And it's like, remember when Albert Pujols was a free agent and I told you Artie Moreno is going to come in last and he's going to talk to Albert Pujols in the language of his mother because we had one Major League Baseball owner who spoke Spanish and that was Artie Moreno. And he got him. He got Pujols in speaking uh, to Pujols in Spanish. Well... Fast forward to the Dodgers. Who's the Dodgers manager? Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts' mother is Japanese. Dave Roberts can speak Japanese. Fun fact. I think 
that that's going to help. Don't you think? I mean, it, I mean that it helps when you speak in the language of someone's mother and you're negotiating and trying to get them to come into your business and play. And you don't even have to sell your house. You can make a lot more money and have a lot more stardom. That's why I think it'll also work creatively within the brain of Shohei Otani. Of, oh, okay, that makes me comfortable because here's you know, now I got a boss who can talk to me in the language of my mother. Well, it's a JT and Looney podcast, and I just want to mention this. You know, I'm fascinated with the gateway to the Pacific Rim. I've never been to Tokyo. I've never been to the Far East, but I'm fascinated. I'll get there someday. Do you know how many Asians – are in San Francisco in the Bay Area. True. How perfect he would work there. And in Seattle, as we've always said on the radio, the gateway to the Pacific Rim. If you want to have... Hey, and and by the way, a ton in Orange County where the Angels play. If you want to look at the volume of Asian Americans that live from Los Angeles to Mm. Seattle, it's enormous. That's where he has the most popularity. You're right. And the broadcast rights going over going over to Japan and all that. So, yes, a really interesting question. And, and, and here's another thing, too, about which which keeps it in Los Angeles. Is, see, uh, the uh, Chavez Ravine, where the Dodger Stadium has been, where Dodger Stadium has been built, is right in this perfect location where all the freeways meet. And Dodger Stadium is high above Little Tokyo and Chinatown. So... It's also high above uh, area and, and not far from stone's throw from Koreatown. So uh, there's a lot of faces that look like his in Southern California that would love to have him stay. So I want my Yankees to get him. I want to have Cole. I want to have Cole and Otani together. I want to have Judge and Otani together. Don't tell me about money. We got plenty of money in New York. We got all the money in the world. Stanton's a bum. You when you and I put teams together, you know, I never give up money. This is such a big point that I'm going to make at the end. Such a big point on Otani. Because of Stanton, because of Stanton and that enormous $300-plus million contract that they're whittling down, and they're still well over, I think, $100 million. They can't do it. If Stanton was gone, that bum, if they got rid of Giancarlo <laughs> Stanton, if they got rid of him, they could afford Judge and Otani. There'd be two enormous contracts. New York's never. New York had Dave Winfield. They had Reggie Jackson and Munson at the same time. You go back in Yankee history, Ruth and Gehrig, whatever it is, Mantle. You got DiMaggio. They can afford anybody, but they can't do it. They can't have Stanton's contract. They can't have Otani. And the Mets, I want to throw the Mets in because the Mets are panicking now because the Mets stink. They stink. And the Mets would love to get Otani in there too because of the size of the Asian-American population. In, in New York, York. Yep. in New York, they can pull it off. But count out Chicago, count out Milwaukee. <laughs> you don't think he's going to play for the gritty, <laughs> gutty Rays? Can you imagine? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I mean, the Rays all of a sudden come in and say, we're offering him $400 million. Oh, my, do it. The pod squad. I'm going to be in San Diego coming up here. Yeah, they've the- been rolling out the Brinks truck for everybody. So for Shohei Otani, I'll just wrap it up by saying this. I'm a Babe Ruth guy. I have Babe Ruth memorabilia in my house. And not real Babe Ruth memorabilia, but photos, nothing signed. I'm a big Babe Ruth guy. And I'm disgusted when people discount Babe Ruth because he's not here to defend himself. Shohei Otani is the best baseball player currently anywhere around the world. And he has a chance to be the greatest baseball player of all time because of his combination of pitching and hitting. 
Now, let's get back to our summer series. Oh, before we do, just one little fun fact for you, too, about Giancarlo Staten, that, as you call him. You know, our friend Lee DeLapp, who was our producer uh, back in the hot tub time machine, went to high school with Giancarlo Staten. He said in high school, Staten's name was like Chipper or something like that. But it was not Giancarlo, and he jazzed up his name before he became a professional baseball player and the rule in life is uh, you got to call people what they want to be called. All right. Thanks to Tom Looney. He's pretty good. Uh, good dad. He was my partner on radio for 14 years. That's why we got the podcast going. When we come back, one more hour to go before we wrap up the weekend. On a very serious note, I'm going to have a couple of friends come in studio with me, and it's probably going to get pretty emotional. Uh, one of my great friends lost her husband. He took his life, a motorcycle cop, and they're starting a foundation in memory of his name. Uh, she's kind enough to come in studio with my friend who passed away's partner. So MJ Maynard and Tom Wagner will join us in studio, and we're going to talk about how to save lives and help other people who are going through difficult times, possibly with retirement, depression, and how to see the warning signs next hour. It's going to be pretty deep, I can tell in advance, but please stick with me so we can make an impact as we continue heading into the 4th of July. This is Raider Nation Radio.